Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Let's open in prayer tonight. God, I thank you for that last song that calls us to abide. You are, we are the branches, you're the vine. We must stay connected to you, God. And if we do, you promise us rest. You promise us peace, which is what we're discussing tonight. And so, Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness to us. And I just pray you would guide this study. Speak to hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are studying Galatians, Stand Firm in Your Freedom. And our series title, uh, or our, our last study was on the fruit of the Spirit. Give me just a second here, having some technical problems. We'll get there. All right, we're there. Praise God. At least it's on my screen. (laughs) I hope it's on yours. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 in the NIV. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. In, In the Amplified Version, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, or gladness, and peace. And then in the Message Bible, but what happens when we live in God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, and serenity. I just, doesn't the word serenity just make you calm? It's a a self-descriptive word, serenity. And so that's how they interpreted the word peace. Just for the sake of review for our study that started last week, peace literally means a state of well-being and rest that comes from a cessation of war. It is that tranquil state of a soul so assured of its salvation. Are you assured of your salvation? If you are assured of your salvation, you will have peace. You don't have to worry about sickness or death. You know, people are afraid to die. It's the number one fear in the world, if I believe so, is is fear of death and then it's fear of public speaking. And believe me, you can do it at the same time. I've been, some public speaking, I felt like I was dying. (laughs) But not tonight, I'm alive. And so we are so assured of our salvation that gives us peace through Christ And therefore, having no fear of anything and being content with everything. Contentment brings peace. Because a lot of our turmoil internally is because we want things we can't have. And that creates a frustration. But when we're content, there's peace. Now, what was the Old Testament word for peace? Shalom. Exactly. And it was a greeting. It was also speaking a blessing over people. And shalom meant completeness, soundness. It also meant uh, prosperity and the well-being of the total person. But a lot of the idea of shalom was, was peace externally. But in the New Testament, peace often refers to not an external peace, but an internal tranquility and poise, 
of the Christian whose trust is in God through Jesus Christ. And so, again, shalom was speaking of blessing, material blessings, uh, physical health over you. It's kind of an external peace. But the peace that Jesus offers is internal. And like joy, the believer can have an inner spiritual peace even in the midst of conflict, external conflict. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. His peace He says he promises to give us in times of trouble. And so it's in times of trouble that peace can be found. It's kind of a a paradox. But it's in those times of stress and external trouble that we can find internal peace. It's it's the fertile soil of the the fruit of peace is is sowed in in the troubling times. Now, while the war wages on the outside, the peace of God will guard the believer on the inside. Peace is largely a state of mind. The the scriptures say that if our thoughts are fixed on the Lord, we will have peace. And so it's where your mind is. It's where your thoughts are. It's where where our attitude is. Determines a lot of the peace on the inside. And so... Really, what people want is peace of mind, right? I mean, they don't just want peace externally. Nobody, you know, everybody's getting along with them. How many of you know you can have everybody getting along with you? You can have money in the bank, you can be healthy, and you still don't have internal peace. You don't have peace of mind. And a lot of people think that money, fame, possessions will give you peace. And they get those things, and guess what? There's no peace. Because especially if you get a lot of them, people want to steal it from you, right? I was, uh, you see it just time and time again where people get those things that they've always wanted and they're not happy. They don't have peace. And so true biblical peace, it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside, good or bad. And so we, what the world needs and what all of us want is peace of mind. Not just peace with what's going on out here, but peace in our mind, in our thoughts. We know that peace should govern our decisions. So many times, Jolene and I have made major decisions of life, moving or taking on another pastoral position, and we have prayed for the peace of God to guide our decisions. And there have been plenty of times, I'll never forget, I'll tell you a story. So... My parents had just retired, and they were in the process of moving from Round Mountain, Nevada, to Kingman, Arizona. That was their, that, they, they loved the desert, and so that's where they were moving. And in that process, Jolene and I were looking for a ministry position. We were in between positions, and we wanted to go just visit my parents, just to get some time away. But I couldn't get a hold of them. This is before cell phones. Can you ma- imagine I lived before cell phones? And so I kept calling their landline, and they didn't answer. There was no answering machine, they didn't answer. What I didn't realize is they weren't there yet. They were still in the process of moving from Round Mountain. And so I told Jolene, well, let's just drive to Kingman, and we'll meet them there. And so we packed up our car, and we went to drive to Kingman, which was like eight hours. We were living in Hemet at the time. 
And I was a substitute school teacher as well as a pastor at a church. And so we were packing up the car, our, our little uh, Ford, our Dodge Colt, no air conditioning. And we were packing it up. And I finally said to Jolene, I don't feel peace about this. And she said, I don't feel peace about it either. There was something gnawing at our hearts. We didn't, we didn't have a peace about making this decision, driving to Kingman. Turns out my parents weren't there. They didn't come for another week or so. So we had driven there and had nowhere to go. But what happened is that, so we stayed home. Remember, no cell phones. We stayed home, and that night, a pastor called me to offer me a job. His name was Frank Triggs. Many of you know Frank Triggs. He was on staff at the church here as a business manager, filled in during pastoral transition, and will be also sharing with me at Roger's funeral this Saturday. But we did not have a peace, and had we gone, we would have missed that call. Because remember, no cell phones, we'd have been gone for a week, and we'd have totally missed that call. And so there are times where peace guides your decision, and there are other times where you don't have peace. And if you don't have peace, especially if you're married, and you and your spouse together do not have peace, it's probably not God's will, the, whatever you're doing, <laughs> whatever decision you make. And so peace guides our decisions. Peace of Jesus gives is different than the peace the world gives. In fact, Jesus did not come to give worldly peace. Now remember, the angels announced peace on earth, but they didn't announce world peace. There's a difference. Jesus was coming to bring a different peace. Now the Romans thought they had brought peace. They called it Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And how, you know how the Romans brought peace? At the tip of the sword. That's how they brought peace, with fear of death. And so, how many know that's not a true peace? If you're just behaving because you don't want to die. And if the risk is, and it was there, the risk was always there that, that the Roman soldiers could bring harm. And so, it wasn't a real peace. And so, look at these scriptures. It seems a little confusing. Matthew 10, 34. Jesus said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Luke 12, 51, Jesus again. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Wow. So what does this mean? We know that Jesus brought peace on earth. But in here, he's saying, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Yes, Ike. Yes. So, so, yes. Whose whose favor whose God God's favor rests upon. Very good point. He didn't bring peace to everyone, but only those who belong to the Lord. 
And so, how many know that Christianity and the gospel is divisive? It is. Not everybody wants to hear it, right? But it's the truth. And Jesus came full of grace and truth. And so, there are times the gospel will not bring peace, but will bring conflict. In fact, where my daughter and her husband are going on as going to minister they're facing how many know the gospel is not welcome there and it's dangerous and so Jesus is saying here that the truth is divisive because not everybody accepts it so number two on our notes now we're picking up peace with God God is called the God of peace Romans 16 20 the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I love that. The God of peace will crush Satan. On the one hand, he's the God of peace, but for the devil, he's, he, he's going to be crushed. I love that contrast there. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. God's peace crushes the devil. And the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. God is not a God of confusion. Now this, in the context, is in the gifts of the Spirit moving in the church. There's, the gifts of the Spirit are to move in an orderly way. It shouldn't be chaos. People screaming, uh, shouting out. Somebody, you know, you, we've all seen it. Those of us who grow up in Pentecost, we've seen people stand up and give a prophecy while the pastor's preaching. I mean, you know, that's out of order. So we, we realize that God is a God of peace, even in the way the service is full. Now, there, there will be prophecies. There will be uh, messages in tongues and interpretation. But it all should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Because God is a God of peace, not confusion. And so if there is confusion, if there's a spirit of confusion over something, usually that means the Lord is not in it. God, again, guides us through peace. We have a sense of his peace. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace get himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Like love, peace comes from God. God is love and God is peace. And so wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's peace. That's how we know that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. It brings not chaos, not confusion, but peace. Now, Satan tries to bring chaos. And I've been in services where Satan did bring disruption and disorder. And you've had to, had to, take or, uh, to bring peace to that. Letter B, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Number one, from the day of the fall of man, mankind has been at war with God. Look at Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, 
who was a pattern of the one to come. And so number two, only by accepting the good news of Jesus Christ's victory on the cross can people make peace with God. God wants to bring peace, but if we are not a believer in Jesus Christ, if we have not put our faith in Christ, we are an enemy of God because of our sin. And so God made a way to make peace possible for us through Jesus Christ. It's the only way we're at peace with God. And those who are not at peace with God will suffer God's wrath at the end of time in judgment. That's another truth we don't like to talk about much, but it is true. God has come to offer peace by sending his son, Jesus, as a sacrifice. And if we reject, here, here's, it's, think of two, two armies. One army, the more, most superior army, could crush this other army, has come and offered terms of peace. And if they reject that peace, guess what? There's going to be trouble. God is superior, and he brought peace to the world. If we reject that peace, woe be unto us. So let's look at Romans 5, 8 through 10. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? We were not appointed to suffer God's wrath. And so if we accept his terms of surrender, then we will have peace and we will not be subject to God's wrath in the end times. Now, we see also this in Colossians 1.21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That is a blessing. We are no longer enemies of God. In fact, we are friends of God. Jesus said to his disciples, I call you friends. Isn't it amazing to be, we're a friend of God. God we're, we're God's friends and God is our friend. We're no longer enemies because Jesus brought peace to the earth. You know, and I, I think, especially during the times of Christmas, there is a softening of the hearts because of the coming of Christ. And it's an opportunity for us to share the gospel. We have tracts available in the foyer for Thanksgiving. Please take some. They have the church address on the back and website. And, and just take that track. And whenever you get a chance at a restaurant or anybody, just, just hand out that track. It's during the Thanksgiving season. People are more open to it during this season. We're going to have some great Christmas tracks as well. So you'll be ready. Peace with God is the direct result of an active faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Number four. The discipline of the Lord brings a harvest of peace 
to a believer's life. God's discipline will ultimately bring us peace. Now, we don't like to be disciplined, but if we submit to God's discipline, it'll result in peace. Look at Hebrews 12, 11, 12, 10 through 11. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. Let me know that our parents did the best they can. Did anybody meet the belt besides me? Now my dad's here, I gotta be careful. Did anybody meet the board of education? Yes, that's what my teacher called the paddle. And it was this long and had holes drilled in it. I met the board of education a few times. And then when I met the board of education at school, I met, I got a whole other education when I got home, amen? The board of education, yeah, there's a, there was a board meeting and a belt meeting. And I turned out okay, right? <laughs> well, maybe that's not the best example. But nonetheless, you know, when my parents were raising kids, there were hardly any books, virtually no Christian books on how to raise kids. I think the only thing that was available was Dr. Spock. Remember Dr. Spock? No, not the, not the Vulcan. When I heard about that, I thought, what? why are they reading about the Vulcan? But anyway, he was, Dr. Spock was the world's expert on raising children. He, it was not good stuff. And so they did their best. In fact, most just disciplined their children as their parents disciplined them, right? It's all we knew. But how many know it wasn't always what was best? It was, wasn't the best form of discipline. But I think we've swung way too far to the other side where there's no discipline at all. And I remember one time I was asked to be on a panel of, for raising children. And there was, I was on this panel. Another pastor was on this panel. And there was a few other people. And then there was this couple that, had a, that brought their toddler with them. This kid was destroying the classroom. It was in a public high school up in Kelso, Washington. And so, I mean, he is all over the place. He's tearing things up. And they're just letting him. I was getting hot under the collar. You know what I'm saying? And because uh, this kid was just obnoxious little toddler. And so the question came forth, do you believe in corporal punishment? Everyone on the panel looked at that couple. <laughs> we don't in, in sync just looked at them and they said oh no we don't and we're like oh yeah no wonder because if you don't discipline them the world will the justice system will and so anyway uh, dis we're doing the best we can when we discipline our children and but God disciplines us for our good God never makes a mistake I remember one can I tell you another story it's coming to me so we were out at, of course, we'd go to Sunday morning, we'd go to Sunday school, we'd go to Sunday morning service, go home and have potluck. I mean, uh, roast beef, pot roast. There you go. Not, I was mixing all my words. We had pot roast. And then you have your nap. And then we go to Sunday night service. And so we'd gone to Sunday night service a little early. And this is Yarrington, Nevada, where there's a lot of irrigation ditches and of alfalfa grown. 
And so my brother and I, Danny, are running through the fields. We're jumping over the irrigation ditches. And Danny said, we need to go back because it's almost church time. And I said, no, Dad said we didn't have to go to church tonight. And Danny said, are you sure? I said, yeah. And so we kept playing, and it finally got dark, and we came back to church. Dad was there, and he was ready. And he went to my brother Danny and said, what, where have you been? And he said, I thought you said we could play instead of go to church. He said, who told you that? And he goes, Jamie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be told on. Because that was my job usually to tell on my brothers and sister. And so I, I got disciplined. Anyway, God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Discipline allows us to share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. If we submit to God's discipline, peace will grow. The fruit of the spirit of peace, it's a harvest. But we need the Lord's discipline in our lives. And that comes primarily from the word. The word disciplines us. It speaks to our life. And it trains us. Number five, a person cannot true, know true inner peace unless they have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. No matter what you do in this life, you will never find true peace outside of Jesus Christ. And even those of us who have been believers for a long time need to remember that. When it's all said and done, we need, we need to go back to the basics and it's, it's through our relationship with Christ that God brings us peace. So, peace with others. Letter A, we are to be peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. James three eighteen, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a, a harvest, there it is, of righteousness. If you sow in peace, you raise a harvest. This is peace with other people. Is there a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper? I looked it up. Is there a difference? Air Force Chaplain Captain Mark Hill says there is. He says, whereas a peacekeeper is tasked to keep external peace, the peacemaker is primarily concerned with internal peace. So we're not just called to be peacekeepers, keep the peace out here. We're to be peacemakers. And that's, that brings internal peace. That's what we're called to be. And letter B, we are to live at peace with everyone if possible. And how many know it's not always possible? It's not always possible to live at peace. And how many know that peace at any price is too high a price? Because sometimes the only way we can get external peace is to compromise truth. And we can't compromise the truth just to get peace. Remember, the gospel's offensive. No matter how we present it, and we do want to present it well and with kindness. But when the gospel's here, do you know what uh, John the Baptist's first sermon was? One word repent do you know what jesus 
first sermon was? Repent. How many know not everybody likes to hear that? That's the first sermon, repent. For the kingdom of God is, is, is nigh or is here. And so that's the truth. We will not enter the kingdom unless we repent. The problem is sin. Sin is the problem and repentance is the cure. And not everybody wants to hear that. We know that we can't be saved unless we admit we're a sinner. We have to acknowledge, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And then his peace comes into our life. And so we are to make, live at peace if possible. Look at Romans 12, 18. If it is possible and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We understand that peace is not always possible with certain people. And we cannot compromise the gospel in order just to have peace. There were times where, when I pastored in Ojai, California, that we would do ecumenical services. And that's with cross other denominations. And most of the time it was really good. But there, there came a time where there were those that wanted to, to do an ecumenical service and yet they wanted to condone certain things the Bible forbids. And so we could not have peace because it would compromise our faith. And we're going to see that the only way to make peace with this world is to compromise your faith. And we can't do that. Look at number one, peace is not just passivity or a negative attitude of non-involvement. Number two, peace requires individual responsibility and effort. Let's go through these quickly. Psalms 34, 14, depart from evil and do good. Seek, inquire for, and crave peace and pursue, go after it. Peace takes work. Romans 14, 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Peace requires effort. Ephesians 4, 3, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There it is. Again, it takes effort. Peace does not come naturally. you got to work at it. Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Peace takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. And it's not always, it's not always possible to attain. I mean, you know that it's okay if we can agree to disagree. It seems like we live in a world now, if you disagree with someone, they hate you. And then you're evil. What happened to, can we agree to disagree? I mean, we don't have to agree on everything and we can still have fellowship. Now, we can't compromise, we can't compromise the fundamentals of Christianity. We, we can never do that. And letter C, we know this, the world will not live at peace with the church, nor are we to be friends with the world. I read that there's, there's coming down the pike going to be more pressure on churches. It's coming. The world, we got to remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This is satanic work that is taking place to bring an attack on the church. And our, that's why we... Talk about stand firm on our freedoms because our freedoms are at risk. 
Look at John 15, 18, the words of Christ. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. How many know we're in the world, but not of the world? That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. James 4.4 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. Now when we say the world, we're talking about the world system, the world values, the world philosophy. Not people, we still have to reach the world. God so loved the world, the people of the world. But the mindset, the, the priorities, the standards of the world, we can't be friends with those things. We have to stand on the truth. Let's close in prayer. Next week, we're going to study love, joy, peace, patience. You may not want to come. I'm not sure I want to teach it. If there's any fruit that, I, that needs some work in my life, it's probably that one. So let's pray. God, thank you that you came and sent your son Jesus to bring us peace, peace with God, peace with others. And Lord, sometimes we need a peace with our own selves. We're at war with our own self. I pray that you would show us how to keep peace without compromising your word. Father, we know that the world is is going to turn against the church. We see it in your word. I pray that we'd be ready, that we would not be friends of this world, but Lord, we'd be so grateful for our friendship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word, born again, all one word, to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.